There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Goodbye, goodbye, Miss American Pie. I drove my Chevrolet to the Lev... Rolay, but the Levrolet was dry, and there were good old boys drinking whiskey and rye, singing, This will be the day that I die. Oh, yes, this will be the day that I die. And what can we learn from this? And what connection is there between these immortal words and today's movie, American Pie? Certainly, we can come to some obvious conclusions. Both have within them a pie, both indeed have music but it's the hidden meanings in both that hold deepest allure. For example, further in the lyrics of the song by a Mr. Donald McLean, we have, When the jester sang for the king and queen, he did so whilst wearing a coat he borrowed from a Mr. James Dean, and a voice that came from you and me. Mr. McLean was asking a musical question, wasn't he? Who is the jester? And our movie asks a similar question, who is Stifler's mom? And what of her metaphor and representation of the commonalities of music and humor? Wait, what? And indeed, is the jester Stifler's mom, or is Stifler's mom the jester within all of us? Whoa. We hope to find out in this episode of the new Max Mike movies. What's new, you might ask? Well, it's not the same as last week's episode now, is it? See? Totally different. We aim to improve every time around. That's our motto. Well... Either that or don't forget to feed Bumpy the Wonder Pony. Oh, Ameri please forget. Shut up. American Pie is the first movie we're tackling in our second time around series. I can't believe you haven't seen that. This is how we started the show nearly five years ago, and we'll be danged if we don't reuse a perfectly good idea. Over yonder, pondering what he did to get corralled into this two-bit gig is Max Two-Bit Levine. Give us a winnie, Max. <laughs> Perfect. And Thank me, you. I am the master of reruns. Mike. You already said that, Luce. Before we get to the poll question, uh, we'd just like to apologize to Matt Reisman, who gave us a totally good answer to last week's question, but through bureaucratic ineptitude, bumpy, <laughs> we missed using it on the air. We really appreciate all your answers, and it is the policy here at Max Mike Movies to use any answer we get, provided we get it before recording, and Matt certainly did that thing. Sorry, Matt. Tons more bumpy bucks for you. Yep. Sorry about that, Matt, but I am afraid I found it offensive to myself and my culture. Otherwise known as, Max didn't read it. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> but now, on to our... Poll question! Last week, we queried, what movie did you go into thinking you'd hate it or be bored by it, but which you actually enjoyed? What were answers these you gave? Spell me not with correction. Steve Kellner was first with, quote, the live-action Beauty and the Beast. I fully expected oh to be just repetitive, and instead they filled in backstory, improved the characters and their relationship, and even added a heartbreaking scene and song or two. Also, I have to admit that I was worried about Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan after the incredible stack of boredom that was Star <laughs> Trek The Motionless Picture. Oh, yeah. But the trailer convinced me, correctly, that it was going to be a very different kettle of fish, end quote. Well, there's a vote for live-action Disney. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Probably the only one we've ever had. Probably. Adam Mark, essayist extraordinaire, wrote, quote, Ocean's 12, 2004. Really? I had not minded Ocean's 11, 2001, but thought it was mediocre writing and relied on, oh my God, so many stars, as opposed to a compelling story. I anticipated the same with Ocean's 12 and only went because it was with a group of friends. 
I was greatly surprised. The film seizes cleverly on Julia Roberts' character posing as Julia Roberts to gain access, <laughs> through her celebrity, to the loot they seek to steal. They come with the ideas at the beginning, and the viewer is like, never gonna work, until it kinda does. They have to go in further and further on the lie, despite Bruce Willis playing himself entering the picture. It's so genuinely fun, madcap, they own it, and I loved it. I was laughing so hard at the theater, I got shushed, end quote. Well, we will never shush you. Thanks, Adam. Oh, now I'm, I'm kind of want to see that one. You didn't see it? I did not see Ocean's 12. Really? Dope! <laughs> He's played right into my plot! Curses! You heard it first. Max hasn't seen it. All right. Angelo Patsalis posted, quote, the last Top Gun movie, end quote. Well, oh. glad you liked it. Thanks, Angelo. George Saulnier offered, quote, Stuart saves his family, surprisingly poignant, yeah. end quote. Yeah, it is, actually. That, that That's a good choice. Cool. Thanks, George. Tyler Stewart, longtime listener, first-time caller, sent, quote, <laughs> Fanny and Alexander. It was my first Igmar Bergman film, and my parents dragged us kids to go see it. I was 15, 16, and my sister was 13. Yeah. It helped that the first act took place on Christmas Eve in a Swedish upper-middle-class household in the early 1900s. This was fascinating to me. Bergman meant it to be his last film, and it is semi-autobiographical. There's a lot of emotion packed into it. It deserved the Oscar at one, Best Foreign Film, but I wouldn't have gone to see it on my own. Not at 15, anyways, end quote. Yeah. Kind of makes me want to see it. Thanks, Tyler. Nick Hoffman was last on Facebook with, quote, Tombstone. The word from the critics was brutal, and the entire production has been a mess with scandals and director replacement. The only reason we went to see it that night was because the movie we had gone to see was sold out, so we said, F it. Loved it. Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday was just brilliant, end quote. I agree. That is Kilmer, one of Kilmer's best performances. He, he is our Huckleberry. <laughs> There is a uh, Wyatt. He's down by the wa uh, what? He's down by the creek, creek. walking on water. <laughs> From the land of the midnight cheese, Vince, our walrus riding Jeez. penguin wrangler, sent us yeah, a message via yeah. our website. And let me tell you how hard it is to say riding penguin wrangler. See, I couldn't even say it again. Didn't even do it again. Vince wrote, quote, I think Mike knows this story, but I ran a video store on Newbury Street in Boston after we worked together. David Mamet was a customer, and we would discuss oh. and sometimes argue over the movies we liked and didn't like. We challenged each other to watch films we would never have considered that the other thought was a must-see. I hate war films, and he decided I should see Apocalypse Now. Oh, and I, boy. And I really did like it, despite being convinced yeah. it would be terrible. I had him watch Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast, and he ended up really liking that, so we expanded each other's worlds a little, end quote. After that, he said he had to go clear the glue traps of penguins and that the <laughs> walrus is for transportation only. Thanks, it Vince. Is, it is nice that he uses the humane penguin traps. Yes. Those aren't humane. Yuck. You ever dealt with those? Anyway, uh, what, about, what about you, Max? What movie were you double dog sure was going to be a dog, but was... Um, a cat instead. Oddly, en oddly enough, it was a movie you and I watched together recently. It was Zootopia. Oh. I went into that thinking, oh, this is just going to be some dumb talking animals Disney movie. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. I, it's, I was remarkably deep, had uh, complex characters. I mean, I expected the animation to be good, but it was so much better than I thought, thought it was going to be. Yeah. What about you? Well, what remember when Disney movies had character development and really good plots and they really Eagly. did? Remember that? Uh... <laughs> anyway. What about uh, you? What was yours? Uh, your surprise movie enjoyment? My surprise, and I, I bring this one up a lot like last night's dinner. Um, 
is Hudson Hawk. I don't like Bruce Willis generally as an actor. I really didn't want to see the film. It was our our mutual friend Libby who said, let's go see this. And we had nothing else to do. And I was like, okay. And I really like Hudson Hawk for no discernible or really defendable reason. (laughs) But another one was actually Terminator. When I went to go see Terminator, the first 10 minutes of the film has some special effects that are um, oh, a not, tad dated. <laughs> not so special. And I was just like, oh man, I should leave. This is good. This looks terrible. But my, my friends had dry, driven, so I couldn't go without them. And of course, Terminator ended up being an excellent film. So those are probably my two. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that, that's all well and good, but we got a show to run here and we can't run it without answers. So do tell what movie best represents you. If we had to learn what it is to be you and you could only use one movie to tell us, oh, Lord. what would that movie be? Let us know and we'll quote Science you on the crazed. show. Science <laughs> crazed. Unfortunately, factually accurate. <laughs> Don't look it up, everyone. Don't look up science crazed. But let us know and we'll quote you on the show. Hey, Yikes. a rhyme. How'd that get in here? Especially when we have to move on to... The facts. Budget. $11 million, $11 million. Mm. Take, dear gods, $235 Whoa. million. <laughs> well, that explains all the sequels. Yeah, we'll get into that, though. The entire series pulled in nearly a billion dollars. Good Lord. Yeah, it was like 900-something. <laughs> sequel, sequel, sequel. This movie might have more sequels than any other than Star Wars and The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> there were four theatrical films and five straight-to-video releases, and Eugene Levy is in all but one of them. <laughs> this script was submitted to various studios looking for a home. Its catchier original title must be what sold it. American Pie was originally titled... Untitled teenage sex comedy that can be made for under ten million, which studio readers will likely hate, but I think you will love. <laughs> that would have been a little hard to fit on the marquee. I know, but I kind of wish it had stayed that way. Kind of, yeah, kind of been good. It's sort of up. I think it might have passed the incredibly strange creatures that stopped living and became mixed up zombies, or how to succeed in business without really trying, or it's a mad, 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 wait, mad, 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 world. Mad, mad. Yeah, world, world. What's the difference between R and NC-17 anyway? Well, mm. one of the biggest ones is the number of times one can um, thrust oneself into a pie. Four <laughs> is too many. Two is just right. What? Uh, no joke. <laughs> also, oh. terms like man chowder are simply too <laughs> out there for Randy teens, or so the MPAA says. Okay. Yeah. So we had to use, I think it and was, uh, shouter. yeah, man, shouter, by the way, okay. those were just egg whites. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh. Sean William Scott's first screen role was for Stifler in this movie. And for that, he made, wait for it, $8,000. He didn't get any, any, uh, points for it. Or? I, I, that I didn't see, but it was like, I'm that guessing was not. He, if that was his first movie, he didn't get any, uh, probably percentage not. that that'd be unlikely. Sometimes you just have to do it yourself. Jason Biggs' sex stunt double just couldn't cut the mustard, though why you would want to do such a thing remains a mystery. Burn. Yeah, and it doesn't slice. He had a long scar on his stomach that Jason did not have, so Biggs had to do his sex scenes himself. Poor guy. Stifler's mom... Was Stifler's only, mom. Stifler's mom was only 14 years older than the actor who played his son, <laughs> which is a whole other 
kink or mm-hmm. is it <laughs> Jason biologically Biggs, possible? Yes, it is. It's just, yeah. Jason Biggs was really, really worried about filming that scene. That one. So much so that he called his agent in a panic, asking if he wasn't about to torpedo a blossoming career. His agent responded, and I will have to bleep this. Jason, you go and f*** that pie with all you got, man. (laughs) (laughs) Better advice has never come from Hollywood. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, By the way, that is no stunt pie. That was a real, true Costco apple pie. A moment of silence for the pie. (laughs) Rest in power, King. Yeah. Stifler was based on a lot of people. Actor Sean William Scott called up a bunch of guys he hated in high school, spoke (laughs) to them, then adopted one style of speech, one's walk, etc., to get a Stifler. Yeah, I think he was also based on that guy we all knew in high school. To be fair, not in our high school. I didn't know anybody like that. I knew some guys who came close. Eh. Eugene Levy's character, Jim's dad, was originally Uh a kind of pervy, sexually reminiscent kind of guy, but Levy balked, saying he'd rather play him as a kinder, more supporting character. Absolutely. The the director agreed, and to that end, let him improvise most of his own dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a note for Hollywood. Always let Eugene Levy do whatever he wants. (laughs) You You will not lose out. I mean, I don't know how much money they paid per eyebrow, but it was worth it. And of course, there is many, many more. Unless Max, do you have any you have you know and want to? Nope, nope. I just you know, there are the the four movies and the four five spinoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. American oh. Strudel, um, oh. American yeah. Pop Tart. Uh, One thing I would like <laughs> to point pudding. out. I, I guess this counts. I know no one in this movie is in high school, but at least they're kind of close. I looked up the ages of a bunch of the people. Yeah. Most of them are 20 or 21 with a mm. couple of notable and notable exceptions. You know, Sean Leonard Patrick Harris, <laughs> Leonard Sean, whatever his name is. Sean William Scott. That's the guy. He's He was, I believe, 24. Uh-huh. Uh, so was Tara Reed. And oddly enough, the one, the person in this movie who I think looks the youngest was the oldest, and that's Allison Hannigan was 25. Oh, really? Yeah. She's band camp, right? Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be getting to the actors yep. a little bit later, but... Uh, yep, that's about it. Yeah, let's get over to the plot. Plot, oh yes. It's senior year at East High School somewhere in the U.S. Yes, I Eastville. know it's Michigan, but whatever. There are four guys, plus Stifler, who make a pact to lose their virginity before the end of high school, preferably at prom or at the post-prom party given by the aforementioned Stifler. Thing is, each of our four horsemen, Jim, Finch, Oz, and Kevin, have their problems. Jim is a typical young male with only sex on his mind and no idea about women as actual humans. His goal is only the sex itself. Oz is an awkward yet handsome jock who finds his biggest problem is that he actually cares for people. (laughs) Finch is all about reputation and innuendo. Shallow and manipulative, he is trying to trick his way into sex. And then there's Kevin, who has a girlfriend who will get to third base but isn't ready for the home run yet. She wants it to be about love, to be perfect. And Kevin, well, our Kevin is just looking to complete his part of the pact while realizing that, you know, maybe emotion does have some kind of value. Stifler is Stifler, the worst parts of the horseman, all rolled into one annoying jock loser. There are hijinks and lowjinks, larfs and gags, as our boys find out that love is a many-splendored thing and, well, maybe sex isn't really a goal after all. Either that, or they all get drunk and do it! Goal! Vuvuzelas for everyone! The end. (laughs) 
the film. So, Max, we yeah. know mm-hmm. you have not seen this film. Never seen it. I mean, I've encountered it because <laughs> you can't not. <laughs> You've encountered it like a cold at a party. Well, no. It, you know, every thing was a huge meme generator. Uh, yeah. I've seen clips. Everyone knows about the apple pie. Yes. Everybody knows at least the line one t- this one time at band camp. Right. But no, I had never actually seen the movie from start to finish. Yeah. Um, I actually saw it in a theater when it came out. Oh, wow. You saw it in 99. I did. One okay. of uh, this show's friends, or at least one of these, this show's uh, answers of poll questions, Professor Dr. Rebecca Pelkey and I decided to go. Yeah. The interesting part was when the lights came up and we realized we were the oldest people there. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little, I have to admit, watching this movie now feels a little weird. Well, any teenage sex comedy yeah. feels a little weird, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we often start with the acting, and I see absolutely no reason to start stopping now or stop starting now. <clears throat> Not to do that thing that I just said we were going to do. Okay. Let's do it. Yes. Jason acting. Biggs. <laughs> Jason Biggs. Yeah. Uh, I think this is one of his first, if not his first major role. It's a very early role, yeah. Uh, And he was, you know, worried about the pie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I honestly think he is probably the perfect representation of your average white guy in high school. Probably. Obsessed with sex, not really thinking about the consequence, and... Well, the whole, we can talk about the movie's objectification of women later, but yeah, the uh, yeah, he's basically your average schlub, except he's a little too good looking. He and isn't. I, he isn't. He's one of those guys that if he's got certain angles, he's fine. But otherwise, he looks really doofusy. And yeah, he is very doofusy. He is kind of doofusy. That being said, too. There was something about his performance that reminded me of somebody else, and I couldn't quite figure out who it was. Oh. Did like you his, ever? No. His oh, gestures okay. and the way he delivered lines, like, that, who is that? I don't know if he's doing somebody more famous or what, but he just kept reminding me of somebody. But I, honestly, he's fine. Chris Klein, who played Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the most feeling, sensitive, nice jock I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he is like the big lug of big lugs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's good looking, he's athletic, but he's he's got that kind of innocent dumbness to him that makes you want to just sort of tap him on the chin and go, oh, you big lug. Yeah. 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 He's very nice. He is. He's probably, the honestly, the least reprehensible of the group. Well, and I want to, we're going to get to that too, because this, to me anyway, this film is not what it seems. Um, yeah. It's partially what it seems, but it's, it is and it isn't. Yeah. Then we have Thomas Ian Nicholas as Kevin, who I recognize from nothing else. I'm afraid. Yeah, I don't know him from anything. He, except for this odd manner of wanting to smirk a lot, he's mm. the most interesting because he you seems think? to be. Well, I think because he's so on the fence of wanting to care and wanting to get laid, like he can't make up his mind. Which, quite honestly, is probably pretty accurate. Yeah, considering he's a teenage boy, he is dealing with the idea of sex as both, you know, just we and yeah. as an emotional connection. Yeah. I'm going to skip over one right uh, real quick. Uh, oh. Shannon Elizabeth as Nadia. Okay, let's face it. Why is she here? Well, there are two very good reasons. <laughs> she's there to be naked. Yeah. She's, um, there, she's there because she, she was supposed to be like the new, you know, bombshell uh, of Hollywood. Yeah. 
And she's had a long career, but she never really took off. She says that initially when she was asked to do the nude scene, she was a little nervous, but since then is glad she did it because huh. she thinks that her career actually launched because of doing those scenes. I that think that's said, true. That's sad. It is yeah. very sad because the character has very little to do. The one thing I will appreciate about her character is in the relationship, if you want to call it with that, mm-hmm. between her and Jim. She is definitely in control. She's the she's the alpha. It's a strange setup. I know this is jumping into the actual story, but that's fine. She comes. You know, the whole thing is she is the beautiful exchange student from. Cur- oh, I think it, they Euro- say it, she's Europe. a Czech exchange. Yeah, student. I, yeah, I think, yeah, and. Uh, she seems to like Jim. She wants to come over to his house to study, and she says she has to change. Jim sets up a webcam. Which is horrible. Yeah, this is, oddly enough, though, he does get a lot of instant karma back from it. But, yes, he sets up a webcam to film her because he thinks she's going to be changing. He gets a lot more than that because she basically starts masturbating in his room. Right. And my thought is, okay, Jim is the villain here, but... Who does this? Who like, oh, I'm just going to be in this boy's room, and while he's downstairs, I'm going to start uh, masturbating. Yeah. Sure. Well, and, and also, in the, that particular scene, to me, she went from maybe in high school to, oh, dear gods, no, she's not any, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Th- that being said, her character is so two-dimensional and is just there for obvious reasons. It's just sad. Her character um, there is a punchline, basically. Yeah, and what they do to her is... Reprehensible and without no, it's, it's gross, but yeah. it is kind of because we do find out that uh, Jim has problems with um, premature happiness. Well, of course, he should have called for Big Jim, Jim Slade. Slade. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah. uh, and as such, this horrible thing he's done to her turns out to be an utter humiliation for him. Yeah. Um, Allison Hannigan, who, of course, would go on to bigger fame from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, that was either around then or earlier. But uh, nowadays, I think more people know her from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, that's yeah. I I didn't watch that show, but that's a pretty big show. Yeah. She's delightful. She is hilarious and adorable. And she also is really in charge of what she's doing. And spoiler for those who haven't seen it at the end of the film jim basically wakes up alone in bed with an inflatable dinosaur uh, having and, had slept with her and says oh she used me and then he's like huh hey, she oh. used me that's pretty cool i'm and sorry like, she what, totally what, did when she's on top of him and yelling say my name bitch <laughs> just in that little little girl voice is freaking hilarious it is also just the fact that she's like oh I said yes because I figured you were a sure thing. Yeah, and she's played off for the entire movie as this nerdy, uptight band geek. Yeah. And it turns out like she's this complete sexual maniac. Well, I don't even know if it's that. I think it's just that she's somebody who is utterly in control of what she wants. It's just you don't think she would because you say, oh, nerd, what do they know? And the thing I like about her character is it makes... It's one of the few times we get a fully realized person who's a nerd. And it's like, hey, you know what? You may have somebody who's a real, like, Star Wars geek or Star Trek geek who actually knows a lot about wine, for example, or actually has interests in other things. You only see the surface part. And it's like, she's decided, hey, you know what? I want to get laid, too, and I'm going to pick this guy because, man, there's no way I'm not going to get what I want. She's also absolutely comfortable with who she is. Yeah. She's not embarrassed. Nope. Nobody humiliates her. It's it, I, She's actually probably the most interesting character, which is why, you know, she she's the one who ends up in the long-term relationship with Jim in the rest of the movies. Yeah. I oh, do know she? this. Okay. American Wedding, 
is about them getting married. Oh, see, I've never seen any of the other ones. The first one was enough. Uh, and we'll get, yeah, we'll come to that to the end of the show. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip over the English teacher. He was there for five oh, seconds. Oh, Clyde Kasatsu. Yeah, he's wonderful. And I've seen him on other things. I think I know him from an episode of MASH. He's um, He's been in literally everything. Yeah. And but he's yeah, fine he for his nothing. five minutes. Yeah. 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 He's there. Eugene, is it Levy or Levy? I believe it's Levy. Because I went to the Levy and the Levy was dry. <sighs> See, that's the connection. This is the only connection to that song. No, it's not even it in isn't. the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of um, surprised they didn't do anything with that song. We'll get to the soundtrack later. But Eugene yeah. Levy, I think he's the best thing in the movie. He's the only thing that I outwardly laughed at. To be fair, I was watching the film by myself. And whenever I'm by myself, it is a real challenge to get me to yeah. laugh because I mm -hmm. do it internally, whatever. The only thing I can't understand is how there are any takes with him and, and Jason Biggs yep. where Jason Biggs isn't just rolling over on the floor. I assume that's why they kept cutting back to, his fa to uh, Levy's face because... How do you keep a straight face with all that? He's 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 just he doesn't even have a name. He's Jim's dad. Yeah. That's how he's listed, and he is so well-meaning and just so utterly clumsy, not clueless. That's the thing. You come up. The parents in movies like this tend to be either idiots or totally out of touch. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows his son is obsessed with sex. He wants to help, but he's so uncomfortable with it <laughs> that he's very clumsy about it. But he, God love him, he never stops trying. The scene where he has bought his son porn. <laughs> and, in the form uh, of magazines. Yes, it's this, back in the ancient days, kids, you used to have to, <laughs> they would print pornographic images on paper. And they don't move. Bind, they did not move, uh, bind them and sell them, usually in carefully in careful wrappers in the, that you had to ask for in the newsstand or the convenience store. It depends and on And he's showing him Playboy, he's showing him Hustler, and he is, honestly, this is something I kind of wish parents of parents would do with their kids. It's like, <laughs> now that this is Hustler, it's a little more risque, and you notice a... Uh, the, this one focuses more on the the uh, breast area, whereas this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then he, gets, he pulls out the magazine called Shave. Oh, this is a little bit more exotic, and uh, <laughs> and of course, I will say this for Jason Biggs, he plays. Oh my God, my parents are talking to me about sex really well. He yes. looks so uncomfortable. He wants. He has that. He has the look of I want the earth to open and swallow me right now. Yeah. So Eugene, Eugene Levy, Levy is terrific. I would say he is a highlight of this he film. He is. He is. We have then we have some bit players here. Although Tara Reed uh, shows up, and we know her more as a voice actor. Tara Reed does. I want to say uh, she's in Powerpuff Girls, and she's done a like bunch. That. But oh come on, we know her best from that gr the greatest cinematic over ever, the Sharknado movies. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. My God, that have... that is her legacy, man. Yeah. She's there. Yeah, um, she, she's we, fine. She's, again, someone who is trying, a teenager who's trying to figure out the balance between love and sex. Some of the other background players, we have Chris Owen playing the Shermanator, who, uh, quite honestly, is perfectly cast. He yeah. is that perfect mix of ego and greasiness. And, and utter incompetence. And he does really well. He does. I, I don't know him from other things, but that's fine. Sean William Scott Stifler, honestly, He's perfect. He's perfect. I have to say about, you know, Sean Michael Hayes Thomas. <laughs> Sean William Scott! Whatever. <laughs> he is on my list, actually, above uh, Luke Wilson as one of the most punchable faces in <laughs> acting. 
just every time I see him, my knuckles itch. I can't help it. I'm wasn't sure he he's a lo- of, Wasn't he half of Dude, Where's My Car? I think he was. Uh, I don't remember. I know it was Ashton Kutcher and somebody. I think it's Sean William Scott. That might be. Yeah. He plays a lot of very obnoxious characters. I don't know if it's typecasting. Yeah. I hope he's a really nice guy. He is perfectly, he's perfect in this. He is absolutely believable and absolutely the, he is a walking pile of toxic masculinity. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Eddie K. Thomas is Finch. Uh, I love that, that weird sort of, self-absorbed James Bond image he has of himself, which is in no way projected to anybody no, else. No, he's like a, an early hipster without yeah. the hip. Yeah. The one uh, the bit, the one with the small part who I wish had been in it more was Natasha Leone. Exactly the same note I had. awesome. Jessica and, is a great character. I wanted to know way more about her yep. because she basically seems like, yeah, I went through this three years ago. I understand what's going on. You guys are all idiots. Yeah, she's the all, she's the one who like, I, I still like when, you know, Tara reads, you know, when Vicky is talking to her about, you know, I don't know, should I do this? Am I ready? Is it the right time? And she looks at her and goes, Vicky, it's not a space shuttle launch. It's sex. <laughs> <laughs> and you like, get the impression that she's not only had sex, but she's had it entirely on her terms and knows already what she likes and what she doesn't like. I loved her. Yeah. She's a tiny part and she does the most with it. I, every time she's on screen, I'm like, what is she thinking about X? Yeah. You know, I she's want... probably listening to the soundtrack as it's playing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, well, we'll get to this. Yeah. It's a pretty cool soundtrack. And there's Mina Suvari. And who's Mina Suvari? Heather. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. she's fine. I think she does a nice job. I think she's very. She comes off as both very sweet and very likable. She doesn't have a lot to do. We don't know much about her. No, but I want to say that she's actually not as nice a person as Oz is, as it turns out. But because, admittedly, Oz originally joins this jazz swing choir thing. Uh, to <laughs> but he's like, oh look, there's women there. But as soon as he gets there, he's like, you know, I kind of really like her, and she looks at him and goes, yeah, dumb jock. And the minute she has any chance of re-instituting that vision of him, When, when she he does. lives up to the stereotype, or at Except least she thinks, she thinks he does, she's really ready to believe it. Whereas he does not fall back on that and think that she's just some, you know, nerdy or stuck-up or prissy uh, swing chick. No. The only unbelievable thing here is it's, okay, we have the big handsome lug who plays sports who's also a nice guy and can sing okay <laughs> there are but, people like that uh, such as my nemesis kevin klein <laughs> and they must be destroyed i heard in high school he was just one big walking zit i actually <laughs> knew someone who went to high school with him oh well i tried was, i appreciate it but I, <laughs> apparently he was really nice and really popular and not a jerk at all and yeah. he must die <laughs> And then lastly, Jennifer Coolidge as Stifler's mom, mom. a character who is more legendary than she actually has presence on screen. Yeah, she's in, she's on screen for what, four minutes, maybe? If that, and half of that time, she's off screen talking. And I like her. You know what? She's obviously had a bad marriage because we, she's got won all this stuff in the, in the divorce proceedings, which we hear about. And she's at the cottage hiding out, and there's a sign on the door that says, don't enter. And, of course, who enters but right Finch. In. 
And Finch is wearing a basically an old, a really old style Sean Connery era James Bond tux. White jacket, black pants, the whole thing. And he comes in and he's got his drink and he doesn't know why the sign's there. He just wants to be alone because he's boohoo struck out. And there's Stifler's mom, who basically has to act as really unwilling chaperone. And he walks in and of course she looks at him like, yeah, whatever. And then this really fun scene just sort of blossoms between them and i totally bought it <laughs> i wasn't sure if i bought it but i understood it as a fantasy sequence i bought it you know what and good for her because from what i understand physically men and women do not come to their utmost sexually at the same time at all no for guys men it's 18 for women it's 35 oh 35 34 so now she's probably older than 34 that's that's fine doesn't (laughs) matter how old she is the thing we get people go oh cougar cougar so what we see it with older men and younger women all the time why can't it be the other way around i love her line when he's asking about the scotch yeah she's single malt she goes 18 years old the way i like it yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) nice and you know what? I, there's even later on, he's like, wow, you're better than I thought you would be. And Finch's response was, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it is meant as a little throwaway, I probably like a little sleazy joke, but I like her. She knows what she wants. She takes it. She gets it. Good for her. The one thing I will say, this is the whitest film we've seen in that a long time. That high school is the, I think there's, I think there's one black student in the swing choir. Yeah. And we have one person who's not white who has speaking parts, and that's John Cho. Yes, John Cho has like two, mostly is just yelling, MILF, MILF, which made me wonder, because he had to explain what it meant. I wonder if this is one of the things that popularized the phrase. It is the thing that popularized it, but it's not where it came from. I didn't think it originated it. It originated from Reddit. (laughs) Oh, of course it did. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to say the opening of the film, which has... um, this is something that most of our younger viewers will have absolutely no experience with, uh, and that is trying to get yep. local Skinamax by adjusting your antenna and getting it fuzzy and off kilter and still watching it. Yep. What we used to was, call Picasso porn. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. I never heard yeah. that. I just heard it called Skinamax. Yep. And you hear wonderful lines like, ride me like a pony. And <laughs> there's our Jim wa- trying to watch it and trying to... Um, um, use a sock in ways yes, it was not yes. originally meant to be used. And by the way, that is a stunt sausage, not, um, <coughs> yeah. Good, good. And of course his parents walk in and he's trying to pretend he's watching a nature documentary and the reception's bad and they start saying things like, ride me like a pony. <laughs> and this is what causes his dad to take some interests and some concern yeah. to instruct his son in the better ways of porn. Yeah, um, people won't remember, in the days before cable, there were a couple of attempts at over-the-air pay stations, uh, Stars was one of them. Starcase. Starcase, that was yeah. it. Yeah. And they, you could pick them. You could pick up the channel just on, I don't know, a random number on your dial. Yep. And you couldn't really. You could, the sound would come in, but you couldn't get the picture unless you did all, you know, standing on a piece of tin foil and banging your head on the case or whatever. You get you get one or the other. You could yeah. get a flippy picture of oh, oh oh that's totally a breast. Oh my god! <laughs> or you'd get sound. So you might yeah. get Gilligan's Island playing over your porn. Which I, you know, I have heard of people going through astonishing gymnastics trying to get a clearer picture through that. Well, but. And then they sold you this little set top box that yeah. was a descrambler for the signal. The fun thing is, the reason Starcase didn't catch on was Radio Shack sold a little 
TV signal enhancing unit, yeah. which was exactly the same box that you put together. Uh, you know, no further offers necessary. Oh, Coupons was, may or not be accepted. Well, but that's that, what it was. That was the problem, though. Starcase found out about that. They sued Radio Shack, and Radio Shack said, okay, sure, we, we won't sell the box anymore. So they would set up a display rack with all of the parts. Yeah. That which were perfectly legal at for you to build your own. Yeah, and so that star case went away yeah. very quickly. So yeah, um, but I realize a lot of people will be watching that uh, you know who are you know not older than dirt and yeah. uh, wondering what the hell is that? And it's like, wait, pay for porn? Why would I do that? <laughs> But yeah, that's instant buzzkill, right? Your parents coming in when you're trying. That is every come on, that's every kid's nightmare. Jim, lock the door. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot. Of, well, a lot of kids, the doors uh, didn't lock. Just don't do it. Uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And then we go to a party, and we see the four horsemen at being their typical teenage guy self at their party. Or, or at this point, are they really more caricatures? Yeah. They, we, they are, they're kind of cartoonish at this point. And we get to watch them cringingly um, strike out. Which... Oh, yeah. Watching Jim, when he first tries to talk to Nadia, yeah. is just agony. It's, uh, he wa- they're, Crash he, and She's burn. with a couple other girls. They've been laughing about something. He literally just walks up and starts laughing, too, which makes everyone go, huh? huh? And finally, he's like, I'm going to go now. And that those parts are always hard to watch. Cause, yeah. And it, I, it makes sense, because... That's what happens, and that's part of the plot. The idea, of course, isn't for most of these teen sex comedies. And I have to have to wonder if this particular film isn't what uh, gave the inspiration to come up with another teenage sex comedy. That... Oh, of course it was. This was one of them. Oh, this was a very influential film. Yeah. This shaped teenage sex comedies for the next 20 years. Well, and the funny thing is it was hardly like the first even of its era. No, There were no, tons but... of them. No, but this one, well, we can talk about that if we're done with the actors. But uh, I think we're done with the yeah. actors. Uh, so why don't we get, so we start off and it's four guys trying to get laid, which, well, that's a plot. I mean, this goes back to This has been um, done cavemen. many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And speaking of cavemen, that's pretty much how they act. Yeah. And none of them, except for Kevin, is in any way looking at women as people. No, right? they are just targets. And even Kevin... The only no- reason we know he hasn't totally been looking at Heather as n- not a person is because I don't think their relationship would have gotten to the- anywhere near this point if he hadn't. But they they have to have this pact. Oh, we're going to get laid before the end of high school. Well, yeah, that's yeah. original, and I bet that's never happened before. But it's what draws kids into theaters, so there you go. The thing is, the film more or less keeps to that plot, mm-hmm. but it adds a bunch of things that, well, I remember when I saw this film in the theater, I was not expecting. Yeah. And that is that some of the guys actually turn out to be decent people. And they actually begin to try to, they at least question this drivel that they've been fed. And it's a really unfortunate aspect of what they call toxic masculinity, right? where sex is equated with manhood. Right. And the idea that if you are a virgin, there is something wrong with you. If you ever saw one of the very early Jim Carrey movies called, oh, uh, what is it, Once Bitten. Okay. Which is a teen sex vampire comedy. Okay. He, his whole thing is he is a virgin, and that is one of the central jokes that everyone, including the adults, tease him about and treat it as if it is this horrible affliction and that there is something wrong with him because he's never had sex. Mm. 
And that is what comes across in this. They're all like, oh, my God, there's some, what does one of them say? One of the lines I really liked is, we can't, if we go to college as virgins, they'll know. <laughs> and they'll put us all in the same dorm. <laughs> yeah, isn't there a special dorm for virgins? I thought that was great because and of course, I whole... absolutely would think that a teenage boy would believe that. Sure, but their worldview is so small yeah. that they can't conceive that every high school has guys with the same problem. There's actually this one little sort of side plotish thing where Kevin decides to call his older brother to get some pointers and finds out that uh, uh, apparently the film National Treasure yes, has made there is an a, entrance into that, this By the way, film. that was Casey Affleck. Yep. I thought so. Younger brother of Ben. And, and yes, there is a sex a, Bible. Yeah. And each guy has successive, successfully, successively <laughs> added to it and hidden it in the school library. And every year, one senior is given the secret of this book, and you add to it and put it back. Which I actually thought, at first you're like, oh, wow, that's how sort of gross. Except what Kevin learns from it is how to actually please his thing. girlfriend, which is what he's I was afraid this do. thing was going to be like one of those pickup artist books that tells you how to neg girls or terrible things, you know, mind manipulation. No, it's how to make them happy in bed. Yeah, if he, he turns to this one page, he decides to try called the Tongue Tornado. <laughs> and it works. And you can fill that in. And she, who is, she's been, like, not even wanting to do this. She's done oral with him, but he hasn't done oral with her, apparently. Or he hasn't done yeah. it very well. And he learns, and he's like, I want to try this. And he even says, I want her to feel what I feel. I want her to big O, because, yeah. Partially, partially because of Jessica, again, who's telling him what's wrong. And the best part about Jessica is that she's like, the women and the men in this film are all idiots. Yeah, and the thing is, when <laughs> she equal. is telling the, the, when she's telling people things, like when she's tell, talking to Kevin, she's not obnoxious about it. She's not insulting or mean. She no. actually wants to help. I mean, yeah. Finch uses her to enhance his reputation by basically paying her to start rumors about him. And right. Yeah, 200, 200 bucks. bucks. I did like her. She buys him a hip flask. And, you know, wow, you spent the $200 on, on a flask for me? She goes, no, I spent $50 on the flask. I spent 150 on these earrings. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they look good. <laughs> yeah, again, she wish she had yeah. been more of her. So it's so weird that this teenage sex comedy, which at the end of the film is still a teenage sex comedy, actually has some touching points. Like, if Chris isn't careful, he just might end up being a decent That's human The being. interesting thing is, event at the end, all four of them do have sex. But yes, Chris but says he didn't. Because they say to him, oh, well, you got close. And it's yeah. like, holy crap, he actually, you know, he actually matured because he doesn't brag. Yeah. He's the only one who doesn't brag about it. And, you know, here's the other thing. You get the impression, especially in the scene where the other lacrosse team members are making yes. lewd gestures and laughing and stuff. And Chris looks really uncomfortable. Like, he's the, the star of the team. He apparently is the big jock. But he's just, I can't help but wonder if Chris has actually been like this all along and he's just been held back by his friends. But man, there's a depth you don't see in these films ever. I like the fact, you know, in the, in the end, Jim 
comes clean with Heather. He says, yeah, I'm going to tell you about the pact. This is what we did, and I'm, I want you to know. And she says, you know, this is really not the best way to proposition me. She's like, no, I want you to know that I saw this, you know, losing my virginity as the goal, as the winning. And just being with you here feels like I've won already. I, that's like almost a yes. crying moment. It's so he is sweet. probably the one who matures the most in this movie. He has the the most oh, of the easily. character arc. Yeah, uh, I want to point out too that there's no guarantee Stifler actually um, got any. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. We there. know Sherman, who um, claims he did. We find out very dramatically that he lied about it. The Shermanator. The Shermanator. Quite honestly, that's a great comeuppance moment. Because he's such an yeah. awful person, so, in, or he's portrayed as so yeah. awful and so shallow, and to just watch him get smacked down like that is kind of satisfying. And even though it's infantile, I love the fact that Jim gets basically taken for a ride exactly the way he was yeah. trying to do it. The thing that it really illustrates that I did find interesting, and again, you, I, you could easily just gloss over this and not care, is this is the difference between the stereotypical guy's reaction to having been taken for a ride and the stereotypical woman's. The woman, of course, is like, I can't believe I fell for that line. I can't believe I fell for that stuff. Why did I let myself get talked into something I didn't want? And Jim's reaction, of course, is awesome. Yeah, yeah that's a bit of and, a stereotype. But, of course, but it's also it's, kind of accurate because, honestly, sex is higher stakes for women. Men don't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's like, you know, maybe if you're if you don't run away and change your name, you might have to actually, I don't know, get to know the person <laughs> and actually be in a relationship. Oh, no. Yeah. But it was it, it was an illustration of why there can often be such a dichotomy of understanding because the two stereotypically think that differently. And Jim's going, all right, yeah. is pretty ring ring. Pretty true for me. Uh, Finch. I actually really like what he says was, you know what? Older women, they have more experience. They know what's going on. And it's like, yeah. And why Hollywood never says that, It's always the thing know. in the movies now, that it's fine for an older man and a younger woman. But as soon as we get younger man, older woman, it's, ew, gross, cougar, bleh. Yeah. So there's at least one positive statement in this film. Now, of course, the way it's stated isn't going to change anybody's mind mm. or it's all about, it's only about the sex. He's not even talking about her as a person. So eh, that's there is that. Uh, and then Kevin and, and Heather at the end are basically like, she's been wanting to say, I love you. And he's like, I don't know if I want to say it because I want to say it if always want to say it if I mean it. And they finally get to the point where they're going to have sex. And she's like, I want to hear you say it. And he finally decides that, yes, he does love her. And then they have sex, which is really awkward and probably the most realistic depiction in and the film. And it turns out, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, he doesn't know what he's doing. It doesn't feel great for her because, of course, it's her first time. So, of course, mm -hmm. it's... And she's been told by Jessica, yeah, it does hurt at first. And they have it, and they both have been changed by it, but not monumentally the way they either of them thinks are going to be, except... Yeah, go ahead, it's Matt. basically a goodbye for them. Their sex is yeah. an end point, not a beginning. Whereas for some of the... At least for, like, Chris and Heather, that's a starting point. And for Jim, it's, I guess, a milestone... But for for yeah. them, it's no. We're, we're not. This isn't going to work. We're we're going to be at school too far away. Long, and they're largely in, right when she says, "Look, long distance relationships in college. We're going to be different people. We're going to meet people." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah. It, it probably isn't going to work." 
Now, there are times it does, but statistically? Well, he tries to hold on. He says, no, no, it could be perfect. And she's the one who yeah. matures. So it's nice to see because the women in this film, it's not the Yeah, they don't have the much of a story because arc. it's Well, because yes. it's a Hollywood film. Um, but she at least matures and goes, you know what? I can actually see what's going on here. And like, this is a high school romance and it's not one of those things that's meant to last. And it's a little sad, but at least both they, of they them. They both get it. They both understand. It. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not what it appears. Now, that being said, Jim, of course, changes the least, mm. except he gets taken and he's actually he's fine with that. And then we later see that he's trying to have a rela well. relationship with Nadia. He's basically back exactly where he started, except now the webcam is on him and he's dancing for her and having a great time. <laughs> yeah, so and again, of course, his dad opens the door. I, I love that. I'm so glad that was the, that's the closing shot. Eugene Levy opens the door, sees his son dancing in his underwear and just backs out and starts dancing along and then starts go, calling out to his wife, honey? <laughs> I thought it was adorable. So, yeah, and it's, yeah, there's not, there's not a lot of real deep stuff here, but there's a lot more than you yeah, would expect. I mean, there's a lot of juvenile crap. I mean, there's literally, Speaking there is an extended which. poop joke. Yeah, which I know. <laughs> which... I, I was sitting there going, okay, it's a poop joke, yeah, whatever, and I'm not laughing, I'm not laughing. But I gotta say, Eddie K. Thomas's gyrations mm. in the stall are hilarious. The physical comedy he does is actually pretty funny. And of course, the noises don't hurt yeah. the effect, and I eventually lost it and started laughing, because what happens is, they find out that the... Uh, the rumors that he that have been spread around school, one of which includes that he has somehow kicked the crap out of Stifler and has left a scar on him. Stifler finds out and feeds him some yeah. laxative in his coffee, and then he ha and, and Finch, who refuses to poop at high school, I know where he's yeah. coming from. It's hard to blame has him. Now, yeah. yeah, has decided he can't wait, and he you see him Jerry Lewising <laughs> his way to the bath, and again he's yeah. really funny in this. And then it turns out Stifler holds the door open for him. It turns out he doesn't realize it's the women's room. And he's all tucked up in there because three women come in. And he's like, oh, no, I can't poop while there's women here. And then he's just making these gyrations. And finally, these horrible Taco Bell-induced sounds start coming yeah, out yeah. of him. And it is very childish. And it is very just ridiculous. And I still laughed. <laughs> Yeah. So, because it is like, I got to ask a world, uh, this isn't a serious question or anything, but Max, um, but did you, uh, the big, big party where they, the, the high school party at Stifler's The first place one or the second one? To, okay. The first one, because the second one is the, 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 the prom one, prom yeah. party. Well, either, because they're kind yeah. of both the same. Did you ever go to a high school party nope. like that? No. I, well, hang on. No. I went to a cast party like that. Ah, <laughs> but I cast parties are different. You all, I, I think, yeah, really? because you all have at least one thing that you know you can talk about. All right, so we went to the same high school, and we had drama in the same place with not the exact same people, but the same atmosphere. I gotta say, I went to one cast party, and it was exactly. Like <laughs> There were drunk teenagers draped. Well, there was everywhere. that. Okay, yes. And I'm willing to bet that there were a number Hookups. of um, yes, yeah, yes, nice or scores. I suppose being I, kept. I, considering uh, the size of our high school, we went 
I, I did go to a couple of parties that were like a very scaled down version of that. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and we did not go to a regular public high school. And now that does not mean, all, as much as we might want to deny it, that we were somehow more mature or oh God, worldly no. or something. Uh, the other thing, too, is that when we were kids, it, uh, the drinking age was not federal. It was state level. And our state, it was 18. So it was possible so for a lot to get easier drunk to get booze. And mm-hmm. it was legal. I mean, as I've said, said in this show before, the first time I got drunk was at the home of my chemistry yeah. teacher. <laughs> and no, nothing was going on except he was offering us running rum and coke and allowing us to watch this thing called MTV. But um, I just was like, you know. A lot of times you see these parties or these depictions in these teen sex films like, yeah, it was never like that. And it's like, yeah, it kind of was. Yeah. Can we talk about the soundtrack a little? Let's, because you know what? It's a great soundtrack. It is the essence of turn of the century, basically. It's 1999 hard. Yeah. I The one thing I have to say a tad obvious is when Finch and Stifler's mom are hooking up. Oh, yeah. What is the song they're playing? Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, come on. That's <laughs> low-hanging fruit. That's just it, too easy. It's fine. Hey, they didn't play American Pie the song for whatever yeah, reasons. I didn't yeah. see anything in trivia about that, but whatever. I, I really like, there was a couple of Bare Naked Ladies songs yep, in there. Yep. There was a I uh, Walk Harvey Alone. Danger song there was, in there. Oh, yeah. There was the, uh, who was it, the, the Ventures. They were in there. Yeah. It's, it's uh, very much a, a soundtrack of that time. But it's actually, it's fun. And mm-hmm. it's, well, we'll get to the wrap up of whether the movie it's, was fun It's or not. also very non-intrusive. They, yeah. The music is played fairly quietly in the back. And the only really cheesy songs are supposed to be cheesy. Like The Prom, that horrible band is playing Midnight at the Oasis. Well, apparently they picked that particular theme because it was the lamest one they could think of. Yeah, it was pretty lame. And the yeah. swing choir, good lord. Yeah, the songs they're, they're picking. Aye, aye, aye. Well, and of course they they whiten them as much as they possibly can. Mm, yes, which is you know that's apparently a thing. So still, but uh, yeah, we should probably get yeah. to that point where we decide because yeah. this is a teen sex comedy. How good could it be? And Max mm. didn't see it. The finish. So Max, yeah, you had never seen American. Never Pie. seen it. Real qu- quick question: Why didn't you see it? I don't know. I never really was a big fan of those sort of gross-out teen comedy movies. I saw a couple here and there, but I just—they didn't appeal. Okay. So you figured this one must I appeal it was just another very one. much like the other ones Well, appeal. also, when it came out, I wasn't a teenager. I felt I was kind of too old for that kind of movie. Yeah, it did feel kind of weird. Yeah, it felt especially weird now. Because I would have been 34. Yeah. yeah. Oops, I gave it away. Uh-huh. But I forced you to see it as part of this series, the way we started this whole show in the first place. What did you think? I think I would have loved it as a teenager or even as a college student. I still think it's very well done. It is gross out. There's a lot of there's some really problematic stuff in it, especially with the webcam sequence. Yes, that sequence. And, yeah. yeah, and just the general way the women are treated as targets for most of it. But it has a surprising amount of depth. Also, one of the things that really struck me this movie is incredibly well edited. The scenes hmm. don't go on that long. I was the one I was really dreading was the pie sequence. It's like, <laughs> oh no, because I knew about it. Everyone on earth knows about that sequence. 
And it's done really quickly, and that made it a lot funnier. And when they're standing there, when he and his dad are sitting there over the ruined remains <laughs> of the pie, I, I just laughed out loud at that. And he's just, well, we'll tell your mother we, we ate it, the whole thing. <laughs> and his dad is so supportive. Yes, he's his, crying. What is What was his name? Um, the guy from the the guy who played the father in Back to the Future, um, Glover, Crispin oh, Glover, yeah. in a, in that Crispin Glover short sleeve dress shirt with a tie wearing yeah. way. He's really trying to be supportive. He really is, and he's not trying to be like he's not using teen lingo or trying to sound hip. No, he's trying to be there for his son. He's just so uncomfortable. I mean, absolutely believable. What other dad would be supportive when he came into the kitchen <laughs> and found his son, I'm going to have to bleep this, f***ing a pie? Yeah, literally lying on, and I don't mean like holding it up. He's lying on top of it. He has mounted the pie in full missionary position. And I got to say, before we get to the part whether I liked it or not, that is a very iconic scene. Yeah. Just when he goes first, because he's heard somebody has told him that it when you do third base, what does it feel like? It feels like warm apple pie. He comes home, his mother has made him an apple pie, and he <laughs> for the last the, he, time probably he looks at the note. He's like, oh, apple and he gets pie. this look, apple pie, huh? Yep. And he starts sticking his fingers in it, which, quite honestly, even though it's a pie, is pretty lewd. Yeah. And then he's like, huh, I wonder if, and you're just like, oh, you're not. And, and then, he, yep, they cut right to, he's uh, in mid-coitus, yep. You can thrust twice, but anything more, and it's yeah. NC-17. <laughs> yeah. What? So, had you seen this since you saw it the first time? No. So, I've not seen this film in 24 years. So, and how did it hold up for you? Well, I saw the film in the theater again. I don't know what Becca and I were thinking when we went to see it. We were just sort of like, let's go. And we went, and I came away with it specifically remembering the plot with Chris and his girlfriend. I think her name's Michelle. Uh, Heather. I mean, uh, Chris as in Oz? Yeah, was, he, was she Heather? Yeah, or was that was Heather. Oh, who was Michelle? Michelle was the band camp girl. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, okay. Mm -hmm. whoever, the, whoever the girlfriend was for <laughs> Oz, isn't that sad that I couldn't remember her name? Um, she's in there somewhere. Mina Savari. Vicky? Yeah. No. Yeah, Vicky. Vicky, yeah, Vicky. I remember specifically their relationship. It just was like, wow, where did that come from? I'm amazed to find that in a teen sex film. And I came away from the film with kind of a soft spot for it. It's like, you know, mm. I expected really stupid, lewd, and typical, and I did get that. Mm. But there's also something else there. And you know what? I still think there's something else there. Is this a film I'm going to watch a lot of times? No. Again, like you, I'm really more identifying with Eugene Levy in yeah, this film. Yeah. <laughs> Although, thankfully, I don't have any kid I have to talk to about sex. The th but the yeah. fact that there's actually not only some character development in a teen sex comedy of all places, but that some of the guys actually learn something and yeah. actually want to treat the people, the objects of their affection as, oh, I don't know, people. people. That's the thing. I mentioned that uh, it's like, oh, you know, kind of undercuts the message that they all have, they all end up having sex, except... As I think about it, they all end up having sex after they realize they've been going about it the wrong way, that they have been mythologizing it and right. uh, attaching an importance to it that also leaves the other people out of it. Right. And that being said, 
this is a film for guys. Oh yeah, this is a Let's, guys movie. This but, it's very juvenile. It's very very hyper masculine. Think of it this way: What if they had done this film and included a group of four women and also explored their side of this? That could have been an amazing film. I, yeah, I think they try that in one of the sequels. Especially if some of them were of color, just saying. Because <laughs> yeah. face it, this is on the mind of everybody in high school. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're man, woman, gay, straight, whatever. And of course, these days, what if one of the pe- four horsemen was gay or yeah. one of them was trans? That could be a really... And you could still have fun with that without making fun of the fact that they're whatever. Yep. You could totally do that and it would work. So I am actually kind of a fan of this film. Again, I'm not going to wave its flag or anything, but all things considered, for what could have been just your average, stereotypical, totally toxic masculine film depicting guys scoring and, quote, winning in high school, it ends up not really being that. And there's some actually good moments, few, for the women characters. And hey, it turns out everything's better when you treat them like people. Yeah. So, and I, I still love the fact that Michelle gets what she wants. She goes, I want this. I'm getting it because that guy I, will give it to me. I love the line. Are we going to screw soon? Because I'm getting kind of antsy. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> of course, she'll go off to do one, tons of other wonderful things. So, yep. all things considered, yeah. I'd say, what the heck? If you've never seen American Pie or thought there's nothing here worth looking at, it's still you might Hollywood. Be su- yeah. You might be surprised. It, yeah. It's, it's more than you think it is. If but you what you won't be surprised at is mm. that we want you to answer this week's poll question. Yes, please. And what we'd like you to do is answer to us or for us or by us or however that works. What movie best represents you? If you had to tell us all about you with just one movie, what movie would that be? And you can tell us by emailing us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com. That, of course, suggests we have a website, which we do, maxmikemovies.com, where we have all of our episodes. You can leave comments there about the episode, about the poll question, give us some suggestions for shows you'd like like to see us do, movies you might like to see us cover. And heck, again, our fifth anniversary is coming up, so if you have any ideas of what you'd like us to do for that anniversary, by all means, let us know. We are still on Facebook at Max Mike Movies, where you can answer the poll question, give us suggestions, etc., etc., and... As if you didn't already know, our show is on every podcast app that seems to exist because that's how they, apparently it's Throughout some sort the of universe. virus. <laughs> like you put a show out there and it just picks up by everybody. But Pretty much. we have only just started to rehash. I can't believe you haven't seen that. So uh, it's your turn, Max. What can't you believe I haven't seen? The light. Besides that. Oh, okay. Uh... Besides that, I did see the light right before the truck hit. (laughs) (laughs) As I can't believe that you haven't seen the source of another great song, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm talking about these two unknown guys, kind of homely looking, but uh, (laughs) they they kind of overcome that with their acting. Uh, Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Ooh, ugly, ugly people. Dogs. (laughs) Probably their greatest collaboration that Mike has never seen Butch nope. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And I never we're have. changing that next week. All I've ever seen is that bicycle scene. That's it. And in the song. That's it. Yep. So don't worry. We'll use enough dynamite there, Butch. This has been a co production of The Voice of Max and the movie wrench.